bringing Gator Nation a different Gator great every episode. This is Jabari Gaffney. You're listening to the All For The Gators podcast. Hey, I'm Earl Everett. You're not a Gator, you're Gator bait. This is Bo Carroll. Hey, I'm Rita Anthony. This is Kiwan Ratliff, and you are listening to All For The Gators podcast. This is Seatric Faison, a.k.a. C4. This is Brandon James. This is Jack Jackson. Go Gators. Hi, this is your boy Jeremy Mincy, a.k.a. Mr. Mintz, and we were the All For The Gators podcast. This is Ben Trooper. You're listening to the All For The Gators podcast. Hey, guys, this is Jarvis Moss. Go Gators. You're rocking with Lee Toe Shepard, and we're all for the Gators podcast, man. Top notch. This is Chris Doring, and you're listening to the All for the Gators podcast. And now, your Gator alumni hosts, John, Andy, and Sid. So my son is a huge baseball fan and wrestling fan, right? I taught him well. And he was telling me some wrestling story. and uh, It just popped in my head the idea that maybe on an intro, like today... For our show, maybe we each record a very short 80s wrestling style promo. Nice. Saturday night's main for event the podcast. in the house. I like it. Yes. <laughs> Are you guys up for that? Is that something you guys... Sure. Are- I just want to know, though, is your son going to get like uh, you know, associate producer credits for this bit since he came up with the concept? Uh, we we going to bring it into the family business? I like that. Sure. <laughs> if he wasn't sleeping, I'd bring him in here. He'd probably cut it himself. Promo. <laughs> I bet he would. <laughs> <laughs> I should have done that. Anyway. Um, so I'm going to pick, uh, my style to be like Hulk Hogan. I was a Hulkamaniac. So, you know, if you guys want to pick somebody, um, I don't know this might just crash and burn, but we will be the first time we're doing it. Way way to pick that low hanging fruit. Tough choice there. Okay. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I could have picked the Brooklyn brawler, but nobody would, nobody would care. Uh, you ready? Oh gosh. This will be interesting. Here we go. Let me tell you something, brother. When you're looking for a Gators podcast, all you got to do is find the All for the Gators podcast. Listen, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, Jack. Because when you're All for the Gators, you're All for the Gators for life. Yikes. (laughs) So what you going to do, brother, when the baddest Gator greats, John, Andy, and Sid, come crashing down on you? It's too sweet. I don't know if that was a crash and burn, but I'm feeling a little more Hacksaw Jim Duggan than Hulkamania right there. <laughs> was that bad? Man. It was good, man. It was good. No, that was solid. Good job. Good job. Yes. Okay. Oh, boy. Okay. You guys still have to go, by the way. So That is fair. Okay. Who's feeling froggy? Uh, well, of course, you know, mine's the warrior, you know. Oh, the ultimate warrior? <laughs> his ramblings, and then he finally gets to the point. He was only temporarily <laughs> ultimate. At some point, he loses the ultimate part of it and becomes just the warrior. Yep. yep. He had a few different monikers over the years, but he was the man. I liked him. I liked the running into the ring, shaking the ropes, you know, the, the music, the rock. That was awesome. I'm ready. So, I'm ready. He was fun. <laughs> All right, you ready? Yep. I'm not. All right. <laughs> All right. History tells us, Gator Nation warriors, that a man's legacy is built from the premise that within his life, the moments lived, once lived, become a piece of his history. Somehow we have unexpectedly, even unceremoniously, Gator Nation warriors, misaligned pieces of our history. To all the innuendos and speculation that something ultimate, or warrior, or lagway, may soon appear, and I will say then, 
Welcome to the reappearance of the Gator Warriors. It's about the beliefs of accepting any and all challenges at the cost of losing everything. Gator Nation Warriors, you have lived. Gator Nation, for this one belief. Now, Gator Warriors of the present and future, I come to take you, make you believe, to take it further and achieve that ultimate power once again. And when you do, you will become Gator Warrior Greats. And you must then come on the All for the Gators podcast. Yeah! Wow! <laughs> Gettysburg Address of wow. the Ultimate Warrior. That's what he did. That's what he That's did. That's what he did. He just did that babble, <laughs> pseudo-psychological babble. That felt very, very long, though. I can only imagine how long that really was, but it felt really long. Wow. It was pretty long. <laughs> Good, man. And you got the snort in. It was right, good. Hey, yeah, snort. Throw that at the end. Crucial. Okay. Well, uh, you got a tough act to I, follow. That is tough to follow. And thankfully, I think Andy did cut into a little bit of my time. So I'm gonna I'm gonna spare the friends of the show and go for some brevity. So Oh yeah! It's the All for the Gators Podcast. Not to be confused with the All Gators Podcast. Ooh, yeah, all for the Gators. Hanging with John, Andy, and Sid. Ooh, yeah. That's all I got. Here you go. I think, I think that went over well. Oh, I God. really do. I can't only imagine how that's going to sound. All right. Uh, wow. How, how do you transition from that to a Gator great? That was good, though. That was fun. I think I popped the blood vessel. <laughs> so now that we've said our prayers and had our vitamins, let's get back to business. Who you got for us this week, John? Ladies and gentlemen, tonight we have Gator Football Royalty. A Gator great from the first family of Gator football. His grandfather broke the color barrier in the swamp. His older brother was an All-American receiver. And this man, our guest himself, was on and a big part of the first national championship team at the University of Florida. And now his nephews roam in the swamp, making ridiculous catches and scoring touchdowns, donning that iconic number 22. It didn't matter what position, this man did it all for his hometown Gators. Offense, defense, special teams. He was a four-year academic honor roll honoree, student body VP, and on the field, he averaged 5.6 yards a carry and had 21 total touchdowns in the orange and blue. Gator Nation, I give to you. 1998 team captain, two-time SEC champ, in 1996 national champion, Mr. Terrence Bernard. We know him as Terry Jackson. <laughs> welcome. What's up, people? Welcome, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here, guys. Man, Terry, it's such an honor. Truthfully, it's an honor to have you on with us. And I got to just start out. What's it like watching your nephew wear that number 22, making those insane the sideline catches, laying flat out for the ball kind of catches right there in the swamp? You know, it is very, uh, I guess I would say humbling or just like makes you feel proud. I mean, you remember them, they're your little babies. You remember them, I mean, you walked them around and took care of them when they were babies. And now they're a grown man and he's out there making plays like this, living his dream. I mean, he's such a soft-spoken guy, always been his whole life, just kind of laid back to see him out there actually, you know, working hard, playing hard and doing it with a team he always wants to play for. And wearing that number, I mean, it makes it makes me feel proud and happy for him more than anything to to put that hard work in. And you know, it's kind of expected expected watching him grow up. I mean, I knew at an early age or around high school that he was you know probably had more potential than me 
and probably his dad put together as far wow. as his speed and strength and those type of things. So it's good to see, man. It makes me feel proud and happy for him. And he wasn't a quarter. I mean, he wasn't a wide receiver growing up, right? He played a little bit of everything. I mean, that's how we all are. Just play everything. You know, back in the day, we made them be like old school. You just play everything. Swiss Army knives out there. Whatever, wherever you need. Wherever you need. <laughs> playing defense. All I mean, just just get on. Just put me on the field somewhere, coach. <laughs> well, your dad, Willie Jackson Sr., was one of the first black football players to sign with UF in the late '60s, and he was the very first to appear in a game for the Gators. So when we say words like Gator pride, that must have a little bit of a different meaning for you, I would imagine, right? Yeah, you know, I grew up and being from Gainesville. If you're from Gainesville, you can, if you go to Florida, it's a big deal. But being from Gainesville um, and having a chance to be around, you know, growing up, my dad and his friends, his teammates. Um, I mean, it was it's, it's exciting growing up being a Gator. Him and Leonard George, you know, they were family friends always around. Um, you know, whether it's Nat Moore, you know, watching play with Dolphin oh, yeah. growing up and just being around yeah. family and. You know, and, and Travis and Lee McGriff, he actually, me and Travis played uh, boys club together. We were seven years old, eight years old, went to high school <laughs> together, played middle school baseball together. And Lee was actually one of my coaches for Burger King when we were eight years old. So <laughs> him and Brett White were one of my our coaches that, when I was at in the boys club. So just being around those guys and, you know, it's, a, it's always been a very prideful thing to be a Gator and just... Being able to see those guys who, who played before me and, and set the path before us was has always been an exciting thing for me. What an experience getting to grow up in Gainesville, being part of like the, the Gator football extended family, getting to go to games. What was it like um, getting to go see your brother playing in the field? Uh, I'm sure you were licking your chops waiting for your turn. It was, like I said, it was it was exciting. Even before he got there, we used to go sell Cokes in the uh, stadium. It was one of the programs he was in when he was still in high school. We, we would go make money for that program. I think it was Upper Bound, make money for that program selling Coke. So just having the opportunity to go to those games was I mean, I say we was working them, but still being around and seeing the, the greats play, whether it's Emmett and, you know, all those guys before him, huge fans of all those guys. And, you know, when I would get a chance to see a guy like walking around campus or walking around town, being from Gainesville, whether that's Lorenzo Hampton, Neil Anderson, James. Oh, yeah. Donnell Williams. You know, those are guys I kind of watch playing growing up and used to say that that's me when I'm playing boys club football. So it was a. Being in town and seeing that, being around it was definitely fun. Well, you went to PK Young High there in Gainesville. You were a standout uh, football player, basketball player. And as a Gator fan, you mentioned, you know, wanting to play for UF, of course. But that almost didn't happen. Can you tell us, you know, how you almost ended up going from the Blue Wave to the Blue Devils? (laughs) I was, uh, I probably was like a a day away from going to the uh, signing with Duke. My, um... I think it was I was getting recruited by uh, Mike Heimerdinger, and I think he was a he was the offense coordinator with Tennessee Titans, and I think he just passed across his whole yeah, big guy. I remember. And he was like Terry. I mean, you need to help us make this. You got to make this decision fast. I mean, because signing day was approaching soon, and you know, Coach Zook, Ron Zook, was like Terry, hold off a little bit. We're gonna try to find something for you, um, but we just gotta wait right now. We got some guys we're waiting on, and like I said, they know I'm a Gator. I'm from here, so I'm a I'm going to wait as long as I can. That's why I want to be. Gators were great. Go Spurry. They were winning, scoring points. I don't want to go somewhere and be on a, a sorry. You know, like, I want to win. I want to come to the Gators. I want to want to be the best in the nation. And, sure. You know, when I went on my visit to Florida, you know, Coach Spurry's recruiting is like, hey, we love to have you, 
But if you don't, we're going to beat you. So, I mean, he's <laughs> <laughs> very honest. He said, hey, we got some fast guys on this team, so I don't know what position you're going to play. But we got a lot of fast guys. So, like I said, but we'd love if, if it works out, it'd be great. If not, it's probably going to beat you. So, you know, <laughs> that's how he kind of recruited. And it's a funny story. I remember seeing um, at the Florida Relays, I saw Redell and uh, Fred. They were running. And I saw Fred. And, uh, and this is in high school, right? This is in high school. Our uh-huh. senior year is for the Florida Relays. So this is around in, what was that, right? April, I believe, Florida Relays used it. And I saw Fred Taylor, and he had just ran the 100 and running 10-something. And I saw how big he was. I said, you know what? I see why I'm not being recruited. I can't even be mad. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you saw him, it, it, uh, a senior in high school, I mean, 6'1", 215, 220, nothing but muscle. I said, I I can't even be mad. So, I mean, <laughs> I understood it. But like I said, that's still, in my mind, I could play with anybody. And you can say Travis, I think, had already committed. And so I was like, okay, this, this we could hopefully make this thing work. But like you said, I was probably a day away. If they had waited another day, I probably was going to end up going to Duke. Wow. Well, you said you wanted to win. There wasn't a lot of that going on on the football field at Duke. Maybe you could have gone and walked on and uh, gotten some rebounds there with uh, Battier or Boozer or something. That's what I was about to tell you. When I was on the staff board, I used to tell those guys all the time, hey, you know, I was almost at Duke, and I would have played basketball. I asked them if I could play walk on the basketball team, and this happened to be the year. This was in 94. I don't know if you guys remember when Coach K had a heart attack or something, and Duke actually had a really bad season that year. And I was like, I can't remember the point guard who was on that team. But I asked the coach, I said, you think I could walk on? And, you know, they recruit me for football. Yeah, they could probably do that. So, they <laughs> so I was like, hey, good. So if I'm going to Duke, I'm going to play. I definitely was going to try to walk on that basketball team. And, and I told those guys who, who I was a Vernon, um, who was a cornerback. When I was, they used, to tell, they used to laugh at me. I said, you know what? I would have been on my 17th year in the NBA right now if I went to Duke. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> So you redshirt in 94, um, and the Gators bring you in really as an overall athlete, but start you kind of sort of in a, a specialized linebacking position, I guess we'd call it. Um, on the scout team there, you actually moved to safety, and Mike Peterson uh, goes from safety to linebacker. Uh, same thing happens with Curse next season. Can you talk about the position changes and then also uh, any insight you had on, on, on Mike Peterson, and did you kind of know back then he was going to be pretty special? I mean, you guys, you guys do y'all research. I mean, y'all know some stuff that I. <laughs> I can't remember it. Like, I mean, y'all remember it exactly. That's pretty darn impressive. Uh, we got to bring our A game with quality guests like you, man. That is, that is pretty darn good. Uh, yeah, we walk. I went in as an athlete. I started off on as defense. I played defense. Um, I think Mike was a, actually he was a, he started out as safety. He was a quarterback in high school. We both went as athletes. But he definitely started. He was a, he was like a safety at first, and I was kind of the I was with um well, I played the position as uh what do we call it what do we call it? like yeah specialty line NSS or something we called it like that nickel strong safety something like that we called it that was Ben Hanks uh, Darren Hambrick uh, Pat Lowe and it was when I talked about some hard practice because look that was some tough stuff right there but hmm. I started off over there on defense was that what they called the Gator backer yeah like a Gator back okay. nickel, nickel strong yeah, we had all type of names for it over there. So we had a Gator back position with, with Ben Hanks and good competition. I actually was doing pretty good over there. And then, um, you know, coaches watched film and they said, why don't we try this? 
And I think uh, around that springtime, I went up switching over to the, to the to that strong safety position. And I ever remember getting the pick at some point in one of them practices, and I was doing pretty good. And, and uh, Mike ended up switching over to playing the strong safety position, and he was backing up Ben and uh, and those guys. But uh, I ended up um, in the spring practice. Fred and Eli got hurt. T. Bate got hurt. And we were in the middle of a practice, and I think it was spring. And and Coach Spurrier, like, hey, we need a running back. We need somebody. Coach Franks came over and said, okay, simple play. We're just going to run the draw. I got the ball on the draw play. Got about seven, eight yards, made somebody miss, hit somebody. He said, okay, he's running back now. And it happened just like that. I was a running back. <laughs> That's what Spurrier said. He's a running back now. <laughs> Is it because the offense, you know, you know, your team is basically the head coach, whatever side of the ball he he gonna get the players he wants. That's right. Yeah, he was gonna win that one no matter what. And, uh, <laughs> so it was a I was switch position and that was all she wrote and uh, ended up doing a little both my sophomore year when we had some injuries to to Mike and Javon. And speaking of two great players, like I said, me and Mike grew up playing against each other. Um, he went to Santa Fe. Um, I was at PK. So we've been we had been playing basketball varsity against each other. We both played varsity basketball as freshmen. So we had been battling each other for years. We didn't play them in football because Santa Fe was a little bit of a powerhouse at the time. We were pretty we were good too. We were ranked in state, but they were three A and two A. So that's back then. That's a different level of football. They had some big boys up front. So um, as good as we were, we we would have been tough for us. But me and Mike Peter been competing against each other for a long time. I actually teased him. We used to always have the. Uh, because we played a lot of basketball in college at the intramurals. I was first-team point guard our senior year. I think he was second-team point guard, so we used to always laugh about that. But <laughs> Mike is a, one of the toughest competitors I ever played against, ever played with, just tough, athletic. And like I said, we grew up doing everything, playing every position, and I think that's a reason for the type of success. He could go and play in the NFL, and he could play all three linebacker positions. And that's what we kind of grew up doing. And between him and Javon and Johnny Rutledge, those linebackers on that team were, were all-stars. All of them were all-American. But just the athletic ability, they could do everything. Javon just a freak on a whole nother level. He came in he came in as a safety. Oh, yeah. And switching over to, to the outside linebacker. And line. So, I mean, that was the, it was a lot of talent, a lot of great players. But... Mike Porter-Peterson was just, I mean, just a competitor who could do everything. Let's talk about your true freshman season in 95. Mm -hmm. um, you're, you're splitting time with, with Eli and Freddie T. And to start the season, Eli and Freddie T are dinged up. So you get moved up to RB1, right? Season opener, you take care of Houston, 45-21. You get your first Gator touchdown. How did that feel in your swamp? I mean, it's a dream. It's a dream come true. I mean, your first time out on the field, you're getting that opportunity. Um, you know, you put all that work in your whole life to get that opportunity like that. I mean, to be used to be out there on that turf field after the games when I was a little kid, running around, <laughs> hoping one day you would get that opportunity. Not even thinking you're going to get that opportunity. Like I said, we went to PK Young, and you didn't get those type. You know, you just didn't think that was going to happen until my brother went and Chris went. So... You know, that time you start believing you could do anything. So, I mean, it was like, thank you, God. I mean, thank you for this opportunity. Just feeling really blessed to have that opportunity to go out there and compete uh, on a great team with great players, great coaches, and 
and they get an opportunity to score a touchdown was, I mean, it was a, a dream come true. You certainly made the most of that opportunity. In the next game, you get a hat trick, 138 yards, three touchdowns. You making Freddie nervous, looking over his shoulder there? Well, and we, we all thought we were the best that we did. And, I mean, if you look at stats now, I may have played until the third quarter. We didn't finish games back then. Like we used to, That's true. We used to, Blowouts. By halftime, the games were over for the majority of our games. So we would only play like a half or three quarters. You know, even when we did get that opportunity, I think me and I think me, someone else were talking about that the other day about stats. I mean, we would all score. We could have scored five, six, seven touchdowns if we want. Yeah. It's like, okay, let the next guy go. And once we really started rotating, like it was like your turn, then my turn. So remind me to tell you guys about the uh, when we finished about the Nebraska game at the end of that year. But anyway, like it's my series, Fred, Jersey, when we are all healthy, you have to go this way. It's my series, whoever starts the game. Then, you know, it's your series, Eli, then it's your series, Fred. We kind of were splitting like that for the most part when we were all kind of up and running. But it was always somehow one person was kind of dinged up a little bit. But it was, you know, like I said, I had that game and I think an, another game, and y'all probably know better than me, I think it was an Auburn game. I got a – Danny threw a pass and I and I think he got intercepted or something and I tried to tackle and I separated my shoulder. And then I <laughs> think the next game, Eli and Fred both got 100 yards. So now we back. Oh, I'm going in third, and it's just like that whole rotation. But it was all we all thought. We all had special things. We did kind of the best. Eli was a great receiver out of the backfield. Draws was great. Fred is probably one of the best. I mean, when you drop a running back, that's what you want. And every sure, I mean, there ain't nobody. A lot of people who can do what he do, run as fast as he. Him and Eli were probably about the same speed. But Fred is just his size with ballet feet. I mean, I mean, amazing. <laughs> so, and I mean, and, and the thing about Fred, like, they wanted me to run the short yard and stuff, but, you know, if you look at Fred, I mean, that's probably some type of savant genius in that Fred can score every play. In his mind, he can score every play. <laughs> probably right. <laughs> I know I'm not physical to go 90, 80 yards every play or even break. I'm good for 15, 20. But in his <laughs> every play, so on the play where you probably supposed to get that one yard or two yards, Fred thinking how I'm going to score. So, I became the short yardage goal linebacker that Fred, you know, Fred, you're going to hit it, you're going to try to score. So, but I think that's a genius on him. Like, he's not taking, he knew way back then he's going to take them hits. So, <laughs> and then you had guys like Eugene McCaslin. He's just, good. I mean, he's a great player, just as good as all them. You got other guys on that, you know, who could play game, who could play as well. So, we just all thought we were great. We pushed each other to be great. And, and for the most part, we rooted each other on. We were in the field. I mean, obviously, you want to be the guy to get that 100. But it was, stats wasn't that big of a deal. Like I said, we would take ourselves out and say, okay, go ahead. Huh. If, we, if we had the foresight to realize, okay, I could be an All-American or this and that, if I stay in the game and get 10 touchdowns a game, I mean, we probably all would have done that. But it was about winning and about having fun and letting everybody get some. You guys take the SEC championship that year. It seemed like it was every year. Um, but that year it was on to that title game you kind of mentioned against Nebraska. So we've heard a lot of similar opinions of that game. But I'll turn it over to you for your Nebraska story. Wait, now I want to hear what you guys have heard because y'all do some uh, great well, research. I we, want to hear what you guys have heard about that Nebraska. We, we've definitely heard um, comments as to the size of Nebraska, and, and um, maybe there's been some subtle um, implications that it might not have all been naturally chemically enhanced. Done. The strength, <laughs> the strength was never seen before. Also, that they were an excellent football team, though, and sure, their offensive sure. line was very powerful. Though, they, they, uh, yes, friends of the show have been respectful. They were a champion. Okay. 
up thoughts on why we got beat like that, what happened, like what were, what were other things? That well, were- a lot of it was fuel for how you guys responded and what came to follow the year after, you know, that, that being so close and wanting to get back there and make the most of that chance. We, we definitely got a lot of that sentiment. Yeah, I asked. I played with Lawrence Phillips in, in the 49ers. Rest his soul, he's passed as well. I thought he was a great guy when I played with mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Um, and I asked him straight, but I said, were you guys on steroids? Were them boys on? And, and he just gave, he laughed. He gave me a smirk. Oh, not a saying? denial. Said, <laughs> I didn't put that bit. But then last year I was at an NFL PA event and I can't remember their name, but it was three offensive linemen from that team. And I asked them, I said, now this, this is Lauren. I did this. I told them the same story. And they said, oh, absolutely not. We were nowhere near. Oh, and I said, okay, okay. I'm going. Y'all were the big boys. I said, you guys were the best team I've ever played against on any level. Yeah. And here's my story. We went out there to have fun and play a game. That's what we did. That was, I think, the secret to our success. We had fun. We were playing the game with Coach Perry. He made the game fun. Um, and that was kind of one of our secrets to what we did. I think um, his confidence, his ability to 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 predict or just put us in a position to be successful made us confident maybe even a little arrogant sure to think that you know everything that we do going to work and for the most part it did if y'all remember that season it was a pretty easy season yeah we didn't have a hard game all yeah. season you guys were coasting so in our mind even watching film up into that you know those week watching nebraska we, they had some close games against some scrub teams and we we're like we're gonna blow these guys out <laughs> i remember conversations about our defense and all like we just run. I said, and i used to ask the defense i said y'all think y'all can stop frazier and phillip oh we and then, oh we gonna, we gonna shut all that down okay good Oof. you know we oh, gonna yikes and uh <laughs> yikes and like i said everything was easy all the players we had and we we went out there with kind of that mindset we we partied and Dance the practice after practice before practice during practice, and I think we really were kind of a little bit full of ourselves. And I don't think we worked. And you just speaking of it, gave us the fuel for the next year. We knew we were much more business like when we went to New Orleans that next year, as opposed to this year. It was like we go out there to have fun and blow these guys out. We didn't have really a tough game all year, and we just kind of don't even Florida State, and that's our guy, that's the team who. They got just as much talent, if not more, than us every year. So during those times, so we thought we were going to really go out there and blow up. So I don't think we were fo- as focused as we should have been. It was our first time in a situation like that. But Nebraska had been in, you know, Tom Osborne. I think is a, a heck of a coach. And we and when oh, yeah. we walked in in the stadium, it was kind of like when we walked past them. That was the old Arizona Stadium where both teams got to walk by each other because of the locker room. And we're standing by them, and we're looking up, like, um, is this a pro team? <laughs> like, <laughs> this is the wrong game, like, yeah. and they were like having a good time, laughing. They were just like, straightforward, serious. As soon as we walked on the field, it was they were, and I mean, the first from the very first kickoff in that game, it was broke ACL, tore ACLs, like on our team, like it, they came down on special teams, like madmen, like you know, it was like we were out there having fun like but it was business for them and you could tell from the first snap and then things just started i think like in the first quarter or early in the game a fan of ours had a heart attack right from behind us. oh my god and i mean the one, one thing after another and then quez broke his hip and we're yelling on the field and at that point we're like oh these people are dead they ain't come to play like this is serious this is serious business out here and i think that snowball effect then it started getting cold in the second half and then it was just 
every every almost every series something was happening. It seemed like it wasn't going our way, but like I said, I think that was a really well coached team. A really, they were just more focused, in my opinion. Sure. If if we had to do it again, if we had played them the next year, I think it would have been a lot different, just because of the focus. And like you said, that fuel the next year, knowing what it's going to take, how to be prepared, how to be stronger. Like we had to get stronger. We had to uh, take every game serious, every moment serious. I think it helped coaches. It helped our team. It helped our leaders on that team to say, okay, this ain't happening again. And, you know, I think it was destined. And I think we probably could have won a few in a row. The game that came on from that team that talked about that, that season leading into that, that next off season, they talked about exactly what you just said. It was just very different, New strength, coach. Uh, very focused, attention to detail. <laughs> yeah. um, everything you needed to do to win, you guys did. Yeah, we did. Uh, I think that was uh, Stoops' first year too, wasn't it? That's right. That's right. We yes, the Stoops uh-huh. came yep. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah, it was. I guess we needed somebody from that Big Ten area to know what's kind of yep. going on over there. But, yes, yes. Yeah, we we. It was a different mentality. I said going into that next year, like we're not losing. We. You know, Coastbury, Florida had been number one in, 90, in 94, lost to Auburn, had been number one next year. 95, we definitely should have won. 96, I mean, and every year we were right at the precipice. So there was no leaving anything to chance. So let's talk about ending that 95 year. You ended with 780 yards rushing, a stout 6.4 yards a carry. And I know you said you didn't, so you weren't too concerned about Stats, but, I mean, that's pretty damn good. Oh, yeah. And I know the whole team is getting refocused in their mentality that offseason, but talking about Terry Jackson, how are you gearing up for that next season? Are you are you looking to compete at running back, you know, for the top spot, or, or do you have a mentality of, you know, whatever it takes, just get me on the field and help the team win? What's going on, you know, in your mindset that offseason? Yeah, we just – I'm just competing. Let's win. I mean, it's more team-oriented in my mind. Like I say, I – I've always been kind of a glue guy. Like, I didn't even start running back in high school. I wasn't to start running back in my own high school at P.K. Young. And we got 25 people on our team. So, I mean, like, I'm more about let's put whoever we got to put on the field. Let's win this game. And, and let's all get good, be great together. That's just always kind of been my mindset, whatever we got to do. I know how good Fred, Eli, Eugene McCaslin is, everybody we got on that team is. Let's figure out. Hey, that's the coach's job to figure out. I'm going to do what I can do, get better, be the best I can be, put myself in position to make plays. And other state, and mostly it takes care of itself, and I think it always does. I mean, there's that opportunity when other people out there are getting their shine on, but at the same time, I'm just – let's just get better and win. I think when you have team goals, it makes it – and you have that, that mindset, and I think it's easy with uh, – it was easy with Coach Burry. Our goal is to win, you know, NC on three. That's what I – NC on three, you know, national championship on three. That was our focus. <laughs> we had great leadership, Annie Lawrence, um, all those guys on the team. You know, it, our focus was as a team to, to to team goals. It wasn't, you know, individually. We Like I said, it wasn't – we didn't live in a world right now where everybody – I'm going to league, and that's my thought and everything. Like, we want to go, and hopefully we get there, but it wasn't like that. We weren't the factory we were yet. We we started that factory. You know what I'm saying? Where everybody's going oh, yeah. every year. Well, first round pick, first round pick, first round pick every year. We were kind of the, right at the start of the precipice of that. So that next season, you do refocus. You know, you get the new strength coach. Stoops comes in. Uh, you take the SEC championship again, and then you um, – you go for that national championship. Stay with the run. It's Jackson. He's gone. 
well. That's got to sound sweet to you. 118 <laughs> yards rushing, two scores, that 42-yarder in the national championship game. Was that the favorite play of your career? It's got to be up there. It's definitely up there. <laughs> it's definitely up there. I mean, it's a, being a lifelong Gator, I grew up in the, like I say, the, the, the 80s. So, I mean, we weren't you know, national contender. I guess what, the 84, 85 years, the probation years we had a, a real shot or whatever. We were pretty good then, but I guess it was probation years. But, I mean, we weren't dominating everybody. And to get a chance to win the national title, be on the first one and be a part of that and actually score a touchdown, I ain't known for breaking long runs. So that was kind of in itself <laughs> a pretty big deal for me and the team. So it was it was definitely exciting and just the – you know, favorite player, absolutely. Man, I love those Terry Jackson runs, man. You you get the ball, you put your head down, knock over two defenders, and as soon as you got a little bit of space, you were gone. <laughs> and that was a Terry Jackson run. I loved it. Absolutely. Run through a brick wall. Like I said, we're just trying <laughs> it's me and you, baby. One of us gonna, gonna, gonna somebody gonna get scared, somebody gonna turn. It ain't going to be me. And I'm okay. I'm okay with getting knocked out. And I think that was kind of my mentality. If I get knocked out, it's just meant to be. But it's going to happen to somebody. <laughs> knocked out. We had Doug Johnson on, and he talked about the beating that Danny took in the regular season game against FSU that year. Against Florida State. Um, yeah. Was part of that, that beatdown that you guys put on them, a little bit of payback for those hits on Danny, was that something you guys even thought about? Yeah. I definitely it, – it was definitely on our mind. We switched up our whole game. We went to shotgun. Uh, Coach Spurrier made that adjustment, which was genius. And but you know, just beating Florida, we had we had that expectation it was going to be a game like that against Florida State. They were very good. I mean, and you know, a lot of our guys knew their guys from you know they played in high school and knew each other from just around. Of course, but we knew it was going to be a. That's the game that that was our game. Like that's a battle, like a battle royale. Like it was going to be, and that's what they did. They played to I think what is was it. Mickey, Andrews, they played to the echo of the whistle. Hmm. They hit late. They played a little dirty, but that was football. That yeah. was, <laughs> they were going to try to punk you, but we wanted the team to be punked, and we were going to bring it right with you. And I think, you know, what they did, how they were hitting that, yeah. We're going to show it on the field. We're going to beat you on the field, and, and that's going to make us feel better. You can do all that dirty stuff you want. We're going to win on the field, and that was our mindset. Oh yeah, and when we did, well, you did. Um, so no, it's a week. You're it's, it's a we. It's a we. It's a we. Do a- I, all right. You hear that, guys? We got permission to be part of the we. Oh, I, I, I could retire now. That's why we do this. That's excellent. Okay. So your last two years, uh, unfortunately, hindered by injuries, including the ACL tear. Um, you make it back in '98. Have a huge game in the Orange Bowl, knocking off future NFL star Donovan McNabb with Syracuse. Um, that must have felt amazing after all you had to overcome from those injuries to finish so strong and walk off the field one final time in orange and blue with such a strong game. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like you said, coming here my ACL the year before when I was having a great year. I mean, I was, I mean, in my mind, I was probably going to be it for him. I was having a great year. I expected a big year. I was a strong and as fast as I'd ever been and then tore my ACL in, in that 97 year and then having to cut and, and coming back from an ACL in those times was a little bit different. But Dr. Pete did a great job. I took the, cadaver, the cadaver and got that knee back ready pretty good. And But coming off an injury like that, you still feel it. I remember before the Tennessee game, my, my knee was uh, – I had to drain, I don't know how many cc's of fluid from my knee. I'm not making an excuse because I did play awful leg. <laughs> but they had to drain a bunch. 
threw it from my knee that game. And then two games later against LSU, I got a high ankle sprain and missed, like you said, like five the next five or six games. And even in the Orange Bowl, I had a high ankle sprain. But I figured I could go, so I had to do something if I was going to have an opportunity to show the scouts that I could still, you know, play. And I was fortunate to have a really good game on top of what, you know, our passing game was great that game. And in mention of that game, my coach for that game, he was my coach for one game that season. He came on after, because Coach Franks got the head job at Duke, I believe, and Buddy Tevens, who just passed, rest his soul. I figured I would mention right. Buddy. That's right. Who had just passed my coach for that one game in the Orange Bowl. You have that big game. You do get healthy, and San Francisco takes you in the fifth round of the NFL draft. But looking back, playing so many positions, splitting time with the other two guys in the backfield, and then the injuries we've talked about, what were your expectations kind of going into that draft? Did you have an idea where you were going to go? Was that kind of where you expected to go? I was, you know, I was hoping second through, you know, fourth. I mean, my agent said it. Once they, once they tell you, if they don't say you first round, I mean, you you got the expectation. Like I said, I've been through it with my brother, you know. Okay. If, they, if, you don't, if you're not guaranteed first, second round, then you can, you can, not, you can go anywhere to not getting drafted. So, I mean, my expectation was I, I hope I would go, and it's just when you start seeing uh, all your friends go and people you played against or you thought you may have been better than getting drafted, you're like, oh, my goodness, what's going on here? Like, I was about I was about to call. I had went to the, um, what's the big job fair? We, the Expo Job Fair Expo we used to have in the mm-hmm. sure. Job Expo, I yeah. I a few weeks before, and I think it was somebody from, what's the company? Uh, I don't remember, but I was about to call them. I was about to say, man, this is... <laughs> I was uh, that day of the draft, the second day, the second day of the draft. I said, I "Guess it ain't gonna happen." I, me and my brother and my nephew, sir, were going to play golf, and our tee time wasn't ready over at UF Golf Course. And we walked back over to the house, and I saw my name go across the screen. They didn't, even, they hadn't even called me. I don't know if I saw they hadn't even called me yet. And I got a call right after and said, "You want to be a 49 I said, "Okay, <laughs> this is this went to a good team." Oh yeah, at least I thought uh, getting the Forty ers So I mean, I was I was excited and. Like I said, it's just getting the opportunity. It's a blessing just to get the opportunity because a lot of guys who don't even get that call. That's right. You know, and it's a lot of people good enough to play. So it was a blessing. I'm just happy I got the opportunity. So who was it that gave you the call? Bill Walsh, I think, was the GM at the time. Did you, did you have a Hall of Famer welcome you to the, uh, the NFL on draft day? You no, know, the, the late draft, this is the, co- the position coaches usually, when it's the late draft picks, they only call, they probably call you. The first, second, or first round pick, or second round pick. But when you're around fifth, fourth, position. fifth, sixth, position coach, I thought Tom Raffin. I think I thought Tom. Oh, but Tom Raffin? Number 44. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Great, great fullback. Awesome. So I was a huge so, fan, so when I, he called me, I was very excited. Yeah. So you go on to have a very nice career with the Niners, playing all seven years with them. Uh, again, Swiss Army Knife, third down specialist, special teams captain. What do you take away from your time in the NFL and, and your experience as a Niner? It was an awesome experience. I made a lot of good friends. I mean, uh, I actually, they invited me. The owner called me last year, texted me last year, and they invited me. That's John York. He texted me last year and invited me to be the honorary captain for the game against uh the Cowboys, the playoff game last year. So they wow, threw me, that's great. They uh <laughs> game ball, set in the owner's box during the game and it was real nice, first class and you know, and they you know they gave us he was our he was one of our special teams captains during the time. Great guy. It was me and Roger Craig who they presented in that game. Oh, all right. So another great running back. Excellent. You present me with somebody like Roger Craig put me on that level that was pretty you know, it was a, it was a good it was a great experience though. So, 
my whole time out there was kind of, you know, thinking they had won at least 10 games. Like every 15 year. years in a row. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Here was a year to Steve Young. Yeah. And I actually saw him at the game and we talked, but that was a year he actually got hurt. He, uh, I, I see all the time. We hang out all the time. Garrison Hurst. And he said, and he, he always says how Steve cusses him out every time he sees him. He, we actually out there together that week. Because he said, Garrison, you're the reason I got hurt. He missed the block. <laughs> it wasn't Garrison missed the block. Garrison was, you remember Garrison had that necrosis. He had that bad break of his ankle. So he was out two years. That was Lawrence who was in the game. Oh. Lawrence. Ah, okay. Yeah. Hurt, he said, you know, he, Garrison would have obviously been in the game at that time. Because I was a rookie. They didn't they didn't put rookies in to do that to that early in the season. So, uh, yeah, that was actually Lawrence in the game when Aeneas Williams hit him in the head and ended his career. So we ended up having a one of the worst seasons in, in a long time. I think we won we won one more game after that one. But it was for me, it was still a, a great year. Like I said, I ended up being a special leading the special teams and and basically points. We had a point system and you know, had great relationships with all my teammates. Here's a story. I don't even know if it's legal, but uh <laughs> Does it got Jerry Rice in it? Yeah, yeah, it has Jerry Rice in it. it actually does Excellent. It. All right. Um when you start losing on that level, they start blaming everything on rookies and young guys. And special teams is where most rookies and young guys play. And uh, so it was we had lost those few games in a row. But it was obviously because Steve ain't there. But they start, you know, we got to do better on special teams. And, and our special teams coach was George Stewart at the time. George, coach Stu, Stu was a character. And our special teams meeting used to be a show. Like, he would go off on you, right? So a lot of the veterans would come in. And this one meeting, I think it was uh, – I think we had the whole team, but I know Jerry Rice was in the meeting, T.O. was in the meeting, Brian Young. So those NFL royalty, 49 er they were in the meeting. They happened to be in this meeting. And and Jerry stands up and says, hey, I got whoever lead, lead this special teams. Like, if we get better, whoever lead, ends up leading the special teams in points, I got 10000 for you. <laughs> and uh, T.O. said, I got five. And J.J. Stokes said, I got five. <laughs> Uh, nobody's thinking anything of this is like game five or six. So we ended up, like I said, we ended up winning one more game that year. The last game of the year, we had a team meeting and uh and Stu says who laid our charts, we saw who laid our charts, and, and I'm sitting in the meeting and Jerry just comes up and throws me ten stacks and I'm like, Oh my god. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and nobody the other guys weren't really thinking about it, but they did come and they gave me a check and I mean I think I went right to Vegas after that. There you go. Oh, yeah. Excellent. That's a great Jerry Rice story. (laughs) Something that was my job that was easy. Y'all, you know, like, like, okay. But, I mean, you just, they were about winning, finding ways to kind of, I guess, motivating. But they came from Jerry Rice. We called him World. We called him World. We just called him World because all World. But (laughs) watching work, work out, what you get from that, like, that's a life lesson. Like I remember asking him in training camp because I was man, I was like, I don't think I can do this. Like they run too much. We running too much, too hard, too fast. Like every day, what are we doing? Like I'm dying. My body is killing me. I can't go anymore. I'm thinking to myself. And at this time, Jerry's like 39. I think almost 40 years old. I said, <laughs> I said, world, how you feel, man? I mean, how you do it? He said, he said, Jack, man, I'm hurting too. I'm hurting real bad too. <laughs> And I can keep going. As long as I know everybody hurting like me, if you hurting like I'm hurting, then I know that I can keep going. And that was probably one of the best lessons I got. I mean, everybody's hurting, but it's who willing to fight through that pain and what he did and how he practiced. And I can, I, trust me, 
39, and I think I, when he left the team, he made it like 42. I've never seen anybody practice like that. That's how I know when I go to a practice, I watch any team practice, I know if you're going to be any good or not. Because you just it's how you work, what you do, every play, every pass he caught, 30, 42, 43 years old, he's finishing 30, 40, 50 yards. Yep. Every game rep. He's the greatest football player of all time. And that's why. Huh. Yeah. And I have life lessons for anything you do, greatest rep. Y'all, you know, you do your podcast, every rep is your greatest rep, and you put everything into everything you do, and you're going to be successful. So I think those are just kind of greatest lessons that you kind of learn. And being around guys like, you know, him and T.O. learned from him how to work hard, and that's why he was able to have success. And being around like guys like B.Y., who was a, you know, all-pro and one of the greatest people and players I've ever played around, and, and Steve, I mean, watching him play, I mean, it was just so effortlessly smooth being around those great players at that time, they were a little older than them, but they were still great. And you can just get that essence of why the 49ers were great because of how they work. And that was kind of in Bill Walsh. Oh, yeah. You know, how he motivated. Comes from the top. He was yeah. there, and Bill was like, hey, he came to me one day. He said, he said, he said, Terry, you're our best player out here. And I asked the special teams coach. I told him what he said. He said, man, that's BS. He said that to everybody. That's how he motivated <laughs> 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 I said it worked because I never ran as hard in practice or the next few practices I ever had. Terry, let me ask you because I heard 84 Reasons with our boy Ben Troop, another Gator podcast. Friend of the show. Yeah, friend of the show. He's been on our show. And uh, I listened to your, your episode. Um, you mentioned Tecmo Bowl and, and being kind of mesmerized because you were in the locker room with Steve Young and Jerry Rice, the guys that you were playing <laughs> on Tecmo Bowl with, you know, just a few years before. And I thought that was funny because. Uh, me and Andy, growing up as young teenagers, I, I still have our Tecmo Bowl record notebook. We kept track of our records. Oh, yeah. Single, single game, single season, and I don't know if we did career, if we were able to or not, but I have the papers are yellow. They're 35 years old. I still have that Tecmo Bowl record book. Shocking our friends are podcasters. You hear this? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> when you got the records, was it the players and their stats, or was it like who like your records and like which y'all who won lost record? No, it was the we put down the player, the year, right, Andy, what the number yep. was. Yeah. And then if it was broke, we just put down the next player and you know well, what I team? know who got the records. I mean Bo Jackson oh, yeah. have to run Absolutely. Oh, sure. <laughs> Every uh, play is a touchdown with Bo. <laughs> yes, Mark Marco has got to be up there. There was there was what two unstoppable plays in Tech Bowl? Yep. Mark Marco Curl. And the uh, Bo Jackson, like even if you call the right defense, you can still beat them. Yep. Just uh-huh. running that long loop and get around them. <laughs> yeah, you're forgetting LT on the the field goals. LT. Yeah, yeah. Blocks blocking the, the field goals. That's yeah. right, <laughs> man. If I would have done better prep, I would have uh, found those notes so I could tell you what the records were. Oh man, but they were just some stupid numbers. After, yeah, crazy. You know, crazy. After a while, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it was definitely, you know, watching those guys. But it was funny even because, you know, by the time I was playing, I mean, it was on to, you know, Sega and then obviously to Madden. Sure. Every game was playing the Madden on. And I'm, I used to know, obviously, I used to know some of the players, you know, I used to know from playing Madden. I remember almost saying something to one guy because my team lost the, earlier that week in the Madden game because of a player. I almost said something to him at the time. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. That's funny. Well, doing this show, we've had a lot of great former teammates of yours. Um, and we you'll hear it later on, but we typically end the show with a bit. Uh, we have one that we call the five for five, 
where we say one of their teammates' names, and then they tell us kind of what's the first word that comes to their mind or first thing that comes to their mind. So we've had a couple uh, with you, with your name listed, and a couple reactions we got were a little different, so I want to ask about those. So we asked Aaron Walker. Mm -hmm. His answer was coach. (laughs) And then we asked Zach Zadalis, and he said, ladies' man. So can you explain those two to us? (laughs) This is a family show. (laughs) Is it? They seem a little different. No. So me and Aikball played together in the 49ers. He was drafted to the 49ers. Mm -hmm. And they called me coach in San Francisco. (laughs) So the coaches called me coach. The players called me coach. Everybody called me coach. So the captain, they call me coach. So that's why AWOL called me coach. Everybody called me coach. <laughs> that's a good one. So that one, the ladies' man, I don't want to say, I think that was, <laughs> I don't know, me, and, me and Jesse Palmer used to call each other that for whatever. I think me and Jesse Palmer or somebody, I think it was me and JP used to, me and JP played in 49 together too, but me and Jesse and and somebody used to call each other ladies' man for whatever reason. It wasn't nothing like that. I you mean. knew he was going to be a bachelor. You foresaw his future, huh? <laughs> you know, we, it was college, so we all had a lot of friends in college. So, <laughs> I mean, and I was I was a little older than them too, so I know more people on campus, and I'm kind of social. <laughs> so, but it was just I I was sociable. I was very sociable in college. Well, clearly that experience being sociable in college helped you uh, after your NFL career, 2008, Urban brings you in um, to be director of player and community relations. Obviously, this was during that Swamp Kings era. I'm sure you saw the doc um, on Netflix, as all of us have. What did you think about that? Did did you feel that that documentary captured that time um, as you remember it? I think for the most part, I think most people would probably say, well, it's a lot left out. Yes. Yep. Because there's a lot of things and a lot of, and we want to hear people. Most people want to hear some scandals, and there was a lot of scandals, scandalous things, or things that could have been touched up on. But I think, you know, in talking to people or whatever, somebody may have mentioned things. There was a lot of those people who may have been involved in those stories or may have known more about those stories didn't want to be involved with the with the series. So that's why. And they didn't want to, I guess, include people who weren't going to be able to speak up or talk about things. How close are you to the team in that capacity when, when you're the director of player community relations? I mean, my job was to be around the player, to be around, especially, you know, I, I mean, I would say they probably hired me to be around Percy. Okay. You know, <laughs> her, you know, and me and Percy were really close when I was on the staff for the most part. I mean, I was, you know. He's a great player. I love, I mean, we used to go, I used to go over there, hang out with him, play the video game, whip him in, whip him in the video game in case he listened. All of them in the video game, but like, just to get around the players, they were, I mean, everybody's 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. You don't know what you don't know at that point. Right. So having, you know, it's always good to have people around who've been there and done everything you want to do. And I think Urban was, you know, that's was kind of the idea. Put guys around these guys who kind of can uh, appeal and, and, and know what they kind of been through to kind of give them some another voice to kind of be around. I think we all need that. And I think uh, it, it was it was good. I think you have some effect on people. Like I said, that's when football really, really, and even before that, really, really started to become a business. Meaning that the amount of time spent on ball was, I mean, it was a lot. I remember being around thinking, man, oh, I don't know if I could have played for Urban. And these, this football now, they're doing a whole lot of practice and then a whole lot of meeting. And it's just a lot going on. Like, you know, with Coach Burry, like I said, we were having fun. I, and once we, and granted, we didn't have cell phones. So once we left 
campus if if three five two three seven five four six eight three came up on our call ID, which we just got. I mean, we weren't answering the phone. We knew that was somebody from UAA calling, but we weren't answering the phone. So we had all time access to you know these guys during that time. Hey, we need you over here, and and I and it was not to you know to to give them too much. It was to I think that we felt. It was kind of to protect them. If you, the more you have them, the more they're not going to get into trouble. Or you can make sure they're doing the things they're supposed to do in the classroom, and we can get them graduating on time and early. But it just becomes a a, a lot, I think, for kids, and um, and sometimes it gets them to kind of uh, react the wrong way or kind of act out on those type of uh, on that type of constraint. I would say, but I think uh, I mean those guys were. I mean, it was a lot of talent on that team. And we used to always go back and forth about, you know, who was the better team, them or us, who would have beat who. And, I mean, obviously, I'm going to say my team for the most part, but, I mean, I give them their props. I think we'll agree with you on that too. Yep. And if I really – but if I really – I mean, they – their up front was devastating. And that probably would – I would, and I even told I said, I will make give y'all the edge on that. Now, we had some good, great players up front. But like I said, with Coach, that wasn't our focus. They were that was their focus up front on the ball on the side of the ball with the Pounceys and and and, and Gilbert and and all those guys they had and Carl. I mean, they had some they had some they had some beef up front, and there was some really really great players. We had some great players and Donnie and Jeff Mitchell and Oldham and Reggie Green. We had some great players too. You mentioned your team used to you know was more about having fun. And that's certainly how we remember it. Um, and it's it started to transition more into a business. You mentioned when Irvin was there. Do you think now with NIL, it's almost fully transitioned to a business, or at least with the Division One schools? Maybe I don't know. It just does seems like it's. I think he is. I mean, you still enjoy playing the game. I guess I thought about that. You still enjoy competing. You still for a game. But I mean, science. There's a book called uh, Drive by Daniel Pink, and it talks about. Um, motivation and how we are motivated, whether it's through extrinsic motivation or intrinsic motivation. And it talks about how, you know, one thing of money, when money becomes involved to a certain extent, you know, extrinsic factors, if you're motivated through extrinsic factors, eventually your production is going to be a lot less. You're not going to be as productive eventually, and you're not going to be as, um, what's, what's the word I'm looking for? You're, you're, my, you're just not going to be as creative. So, um, but when you're intrinsically motivated, you're doing things because of purpose. You're doing things when you have more autonomy. You're doing things where you you just want to be great at it. You have fun. It becomes funner. So basically the old Tom Sorry effect, you turn work into play, you know, and not play into work. The money makes it work now. I'm getting paid, so it becomes a work and it becomes less fun. So um, if you get a chance, read that book. And I think that will explain a lot about what you see in kind of college sports and you know, how kids are, you know, we think we're doing right by the kids, but okay, let's give that. I, think, I know there's better ways to do things, to motivate, to kind of, to 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 make it a more equitable situation. Because I 100% agree in the way it has done, it's not, it was not very equitable. But now, and it never has been very efficient in developing people for the long term, young people for the long term. And I think that's where the focus is not on developing kids already what college should be about it's more on right now what can we get out of somebody and it's going even more towards that now with the you know the amount of money that's kind of being talked about i think there's better ways to do it to make it equitable but answer to your question yeah i think it's a little more work 
And I think you see it sometimes in how, when you watch the game, you know. Uh, are they actually all having really that much fun? I would say some. I mean, I think for the most, it's fun to play football. It's a fun game, but I think the money makes it a little bit more work than play. Good assessment. I agree. So, Terry, how long were you in that role? I know you started a youth program there and and, Gator, and the Gator players. Uh, how long were you in that role, and what are you up to these days? I was there from that that 08, the championship year, until 14, and when Will left. When Will left, I left. And since then, my, my fiance, my girlfriend at the time, was in um, med school. We had never lived with each other. We had been dating for years. And she was in med school down in... Um, in Fort Lauderdale at Nova Southeast. Okay, and sure. That's I, our neck of the woods. Yeah, I ended up moving down there for two years. And before she became a, um, you know, she was in a residency, then she became a doctor. She got a job up in Atlanta in 16, 17, 2016, 2017. And we were married in 2016, 17, and moved up to Atlanta then and uh, had our first baby. In 2017, and then our second one in 2020. So I'm daddy daycare. My wife's a doctor. <laughs> All uh, right. You know, uh, I'm doing same stuff, stuff I was just talking about. That's why I sound so passionate about it, working and developing, mentoring kids. I'm actually working with a former teammate up here, Ronnie Battle, who has a uh, – he's the, starting a big 707. He used to have a big 707 group called uh, Fellowship Sports, and he's starting another one. We're going to do a big 707, but he's going to – we're attaching it a mentorship program, a life skills program called Next Play that he has me kind of running and helping him run. And it's, you know, just about, I think what has to happen in sports is you start making a priority on developing people off the field long-term, but making it a priority, not just doing it to say you're doing it. And I think that's what happens on everyone. You just check a box, say we're doing this. And I get it, but the money is so high. It's so much money at stake. I don't think anybody's being evil or is at fault or not trying to do what's best, but it's just a lot of money. And if I'm a yeah, I mean, I I want you to be great out the field. I want you to do all those things, but I'm not gonna mess up this big time paying job over you know worrying about you know just off the. That's not gonna be my focus, and I think that's what we're gonna try to do and work with kids and just try to make it change the kind of uh, mindset paradigm and just make and with parents involve them. So our focus is on mental training and just more taking these life skills and developing. For the long term. So, you know, when you're, you know, whether you go to the league or you get that college scholarship, you have skills and opportunities beyond. Good deal. All right. So to end the show, we're going to finish with a bit. We're going to do an ultimate dog. So you're going to build the ultimate dog at running back. I'm going to give you five characteristics of a running back. You tell me what Gator running back from any Gator, you know, in history, you're going to take that characteristic from, and we're going to make the ultimate dog at running back. For the Florida Gators. You ready? Okay, yes. All right. Speed. Whose speed are you taking? Hmm, speed. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm looking back to back in them days. Neil was very fast. Neil was something else that speed. Let me go, let me go with uh, Neil Anderson. Good choice. All right. He's one of my favorites. All right. Power. Power. Let me go with, um, hmm. Let's go with go to the Palaka boy, John L. John L. Williams. All right. Agility. Agility. I'm going to go with, um, I'm probably just, I mean, he could be in any of them. I would have to go agility, smoothest, 
is Emmett. Emmett is the smoothest ever. There you go. All right, next one. Vision. Vision. Hmm. Vision. I want to switch. Go ahead. I want, you can do whatever you want. I want to give uh, Emmett Vision, and I want to give Fred Agility. Freddy T. Agility? Yeah. All right. And last one, Hands. Hands? Say it. See. Say it. E-Ret is going to probably be like Memphis. <laughs> and I love E-Ret, but I mean, I think my hands is like. There you go. Yes. Yes. There it is. Yes. There it is. <laughs> Last week, I you know, but I mean, yeah, I have to, I'm going to get myself, with with respect to you, E-Ret, I'm going I'm to I'm give myself them hands. But respect to you, knowing that you got all the catching records. I'm, a, I'm still going to go myself on that one. And you know who's going to be really mad at me? On this Eli, Eli Williams. Because to this day, he tells everybody he's the best running back in Florida history. Because <laughs> y'all were doing all this. He has the, the highest yards per carry in University of Florida history. And he's true. He does. And he said he's the best back in University of Florida history. He holds on to that to this day. <laughs> wow. And he actually does. But let me tell you about Eli. He's another, his story. Eli's the type of person like, we used to play intramural basketball. Eli would Eli could play. He could shoot. Eli would be like seven for seven for eight in the game, and it's a close game. And I'm like Eli, okay, I'm coming to you. I'm giving you the ball. He's like, I ain't shooting no more. My percentage is too good. I'm like, what are you about? <laughs> he said my percentage. And it's not like his stats is going to be kept forever, but it is. He wants to go back and tell those stats. So if you see, it may have been some games where he just didn't want to go back in. We say my my and, it, and I ain't gonna <laughs> game. I'm not gonna. Say, he said, I ain't my yard for carries. <laughs> story in Nebraska. So, and, and, and it's a true story. When you get them on, so ask them. So, that Nebraska game, you remember that? That massacre. It was the, I think we're going into the, uh, I think I led us in rushing with like 11 yards on six carries. You can look, I don't know what it was. It was something ridiculous, something ugly. But I think it's going there to the third quarter. And like I said, we used to rotate. And Fred was coming off an injury in his defense. He was coming off an injury. And he had on a knee brace. So I had just went in, and then it was like Eli would go in. Fred hadn't gone in yet, but we like in that second half at this point. We're starting to get ugly. And it was like down said height. Boom, boom, boom. We was getting hit. And and me and Eli, I said, I said, Eli, it's your turn to go in. I'm not going back in the game. <laughs> I said, hey, got to go get Fred. And Fred hadn't played yet in his defense, so we go look for Fred. He's down there with the freshman that, with the red shirt. Fred said, Fred, it's your turn to go in the game. He just turned around, laughed, and walked away from it. So <laughs> I said, back in the game because we wouldn't have nobody go back in the game. It got that ugly at the end of the game, but it was last man standing. Last man standing. But like I said, we it was a good rotation. We had a good time and all loved each other and rooted for each other. And um, the great guys, great teammates, and wouldn't change it for nothing. Well, man, Terry Jackson, it's been an absolute honor and a pleasure to have you on this uh, this podcast with us. You know, for everybody listening, you know, go check out 84 Reasons. You'll hear more stories from the great Terry Jackson, Gator football royalty, um, the Jacksons. And, man, it's just this, this is why we do the show, man. We've had some great guests, but to have true, true orange and blue Gator legends like yourself telling us stories like this, man, that's why we do it. So thank you so much for taking the time for us. You know, we really appreciate it. And thanks for having me. And remember, every rep, be great. No matter how hard it get, be great. I see why you're named coach. Look at that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you guys do a great job, and I enjoy being on here with you. Keep it up, man. Uh, 
T-Jax. First family Man. of Gator football. We are now friends of the first family. <laughs> and if I might, I'd like to point out that our friend Terry said that we're allowed to say we when talking about the Gators. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's, it's not as yeah. officially not pretentious. We got permission. <laughs> it is official. It was recorded. We want to say thank you you know, to Terry Jackson. And once again, go to 84 Reasons. Check out his episode there with, uh, with our boy Ben Troop, friend of the show. So we're not going to end the show with a, a two bits like we usually do. Um, I'm going to throw it to Sid. So go ahead, Sid. All right. Thanks a lot. Um, unfortunately, um, after such a great show, I hate to end it on a down note, but I'd be remiss if we didn't take a moment to recognize um, a friend of all of ours, uh, John Charlin, who was uh, my roommate in Gainesville, lifelong Gator fan. His father and two of his brothers graduated from there. Unfortunately, he passed, and uh, he'll be watching the Gator games from above from now on. And just like to dedicate this show to him, and you will be missed, my friend. Well said, Sid. Well said. All right, guys. It's been a pleasure. Go to all for the Gators podcast.com for is the number four. Check out all the Gator greats we have scheduled. You can listen to all the shows. We're building up our big play vault. Sid, have you checked it out lately? I have. I have. It's looking good. We, we, we need to tweak it a little, though, so our friends of the show can uh, get can see some more stuff. But it's looking good. Looking good. I could take zero credit for that. Baby steps, Sid. <laughs> Baby steps. Yes. <laughs> all right, guys. Until next time, man. It's been a pleasure. Go Gators. Go Gators! All right, for Spank, go Gators. Yes, yes.